through the intro okay. is you <laughs> describing the sounds that I made while I told you I was going to go get a beer. Yeah, so while you were grabbing a beer, what it sounded like is that you uh, you, you stood away from the, the desk, and then I could hear the sound of your refrigerator door opening, and then you rifling through the fridge. So I don't know that you got the first beer that you saw, or if there was, <laughs> this is true. There was this only is true. one option. I did not. Okay. There was a so there was a fat tire and a Pauliner Oktoberfest, and the fat tire was in front of the Oktoberfest, and I grabbed the fat tire, and then I thought, you know what, the Oktoberfest feels more appropriate. Okay. Okay. It's so, you know it's seasonal. It's seasonal, but no. So what it sounded like is that you uh, then so you grabbed that second beer, mm. and you set it down on the countertop, opened a drawer. Yes, is my guess. Yep, that's exactly what I did. I assume to get a bottle opener. Uh-huh. Um, then it sounded like you set something down, which may have been the beer. I, I may have misinterpreted, or maybe you set down the bottle opener for some reason. Then there was some fumbling that occurred. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, then the sound of the beer being opened, the cap falling onto the. It was a. It was. A, it was a fumble ruski, is what it was. <laughs> it was a fumble ruski. <laughs> yeah, I put the. I put the thing down that I was fumbling with. <laughs> Someone else came behind me and picked it up. Yeah, and then scored a touch. <laughs> scored a touchdown. They scored a touchdown. It's a ruski. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, so I heard the beer, the beer open, the bottle cap fall. You sounded like you may have opened the drawer again. I assumed to put away the bottle opener. Drawer closed, and then you sat down. And yep. we now we are here. Nailed it. That's. I mean, <laughs> that was basically exactly what happened, and we're up six to nothing right now. So. Yeah. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So, by the way, speaking of uh, drinking at Oktoberfest in October, yesterday, um, do you know that place Hart and Trotter? It's by the uh, Sonic. You know where my where I where my yeah, neighborhood yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's across the street from the Sonic, and there's like a, it's like a butchery, and they also have beer. Yeah. And there's like this nice little outdoor patio, so we go there sometimes and drink beer. Mm-hmm. And they had the Alesmith Oktoberfest on tap, and I really like Alesmith, and I really like their Oktoberfest, so we had one, and we were just drinking our beers out there, and along the sidewalk comes this woman. And my beer is about a quarter full, and Julie's beer is about two-thirds full. And this woman, who is dressed in, like, athleisure, and she's on her phone, she just, without looking at us or anything, just grabs Julie's beer, pours it out entirely onto the ground, and then, like, sort of gently sets it back down and walks away. What? Yeah. And we were like, I was like, it was, like, so shocking and, like, out of the realm of it was a sort of you know socially transgressive moment that i didn't know what to do with so i was just like hey excuse me excuse me why did you do that because i was just really more just curious than anything else <laughs> yeah that i mean that you you could get mad but at that point it just it makes no sense what just happened so right there's nothing to be you... mad at really right like this is just a totally crazy thing to happen so i said excuse me why did you do that and she just kept walking and then eventually she turned around and she yelled at me, because you're a liar, and then turned back around and kept walking. And I was like, okay. That was weird. Did, I want, did she think that you were, like, her boyfriend? <laughs> Maybe. And, like, you were out on a date? Out with, a, with another woman? But, but rather than, like, throw it in my face or anything, she just gently pours the beer on the ground. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. 
Also, did that you, was yesterday. Is it perhaps that you transgressed this woman in some way at some during like one of your like I don't know just out and about being Darren and being fun and wild and then you just did something that pissed her off that you it's don't remember not, because it was it's like not, not a impossible thing that-, <laughs> that that happened but then later like maybe an hour or so later we saw her just like in the middle of the street yelling at the cars that were trying to swerve around her so we uh, figured that it was either sort of drugs or some sort of mental illness or something okay but no, at okay, the time so. it was like nothing about the interaction felt like I was dealing with you know someone that was mentally unwell it was just like a very Matter of fact, I'm going to grab this beer, I'm going to pour it on the ground, and I'm going to set it back down gently, and then I'm going to walk away. And then I'm going to call this person a liar. Yeah, because you're <laughs> when, a liar. <laughs> when, when, when explanation is requested. <laughs> right, but not until then. If he doesn't ask, I'm not going to tell. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fair. I think, you know, I do a lot of things for a lot of reasons that if I don't have to explain myself, I'm not going to. This is not mm-hmm. one of those things that I would do. Uh, <laughs> no. But that's I mean, it. I would do it as a goof, right? Like to a friend of mine and then be like, hey, I'm just kidding. And then buy him a beer or something. Yeah, yeah. Like if I was just, you know, if I was already pretty drunk and just going crazy, maybe. Like I could yeah. see myself doing a move like that. That's so, that's so bizarre. <laughs> yep. All right, I'm well, trying to figure out a transition into this Goo Goo Dolls song that we're going to talk about, yeah, there's, but I don't know. <laughs> I was like trying to think uh, of like, how do we get to There You Are, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a good one. Well, there it is. That doesn't work. Um, there, there. Well, there she was, there pouring she was. beer out. And she thought, there you are being a yeah, liar. Yeah, that, that's what it was. There you are being a liar, and there's your <laughs> beer on the ground. <laughs> There it is. That, I want to be clear the... that it was that it was not my beer. It was Julie's beer that she grabbed. Yeah. And it was because I was a liar. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's so yeah. fucking bizarre. But um so Darren, what do, what do we what are we talking about today? Today we're talking about well, I should probably back up. I mean, so the 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 more specific answer is we're talking about There You Are by the Goo Goo Dolls off of their third album Hold Me Up and it was yes. their first single. But I think more to the point, we are talking about the rise of what I think of as shit rock. Yes. Which is a genre of music that sort of came out in the 90s that was in opposition to every major music trend in the 90s. And it sort of slowly over the 90s became ascendant and all bands started sounding like shit rock. Yes. To the point where, and and I think that, you can sort of trace this through the band the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, so that's why we are we are picking we picked the Goo Goo Dolls. We had a, a number of lengthy discussions about how do we we frame this. So this is this is a, a we're doing a kind of experiment in a long form uh, version of our of our podcast where we're going to do an episodic deep dive into a bunch of songs from the same genre. And I, Darren and I discussed a number of ways in which we could go about this. And it was, we should pick, is there a band that encapsulates this transition into, as what you've called, shit rock? <laughs> like from, you know, because there's the late 80s and early 90s doesn't sound like this. But then you start getting a decade of more and more bands move in this direction, which I, I want to say is like is a you know a lot less aggressive, 
tends to be very kind of bland. Yeah, it's acoustic. this sort of bland, inoffensive, you know, it may have some electric guitars, but it's if they do, they're kind of like they're on the clean setting. Yeah, and they're, or, or they're way down in the mix. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's 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 not guitar it's not guitar driven in any way. It's not riff driven in any way, shape, or form. Like the music is there to I, I think more or less just frame the lyrics and the melody of the song. And but it's like, almost it, everything is sort of designed to frame the perspective of the front man, who is always this like sad sack guy who's trying to gain sympathy yeah for his for whatever bullshit he's spewing everything is sort of in service of the poet musician guy yes and and so when we were going through this and trying to think of bands we were trying to a think of bands that were consistent that were a band before this happened and ideally are a band today or the very least are were a band all the way through this transition and I I think we came to the notion that the Goo Goo Dolls were like the perfect encapsulation of this. They were this transition that we have in our heads, this idea of music that kind of rebelled against all the major trends and kind of came out of this like punk grunge kind of genre and then moved into just absolute terrible, terrible music. Yeah, and that's and so cause, I mean, so to give give folks an idea of the Goo Goo Dolls were definitely kind of like a punk or garage band in the 80s definitely trying to be the replacements really hard yeah yeah, so there was this genre of bands that was kind of like replacements worship or like I even think of like they took the replacements and the descendants and they said what if that was one band and so it was like bands like Big Drill Car the Doughboys Early, mm-hmm. like, like Down by Law or even, like, Four on the Floor era, Dag Nasty. I think early yeah. Face to Face was a band like this. These kind of, like, late 80s, early 90s bands that were not 80s hardcore, but were not yet the sort of pop punk explosion of, you know, Green Day and Offspring and Rancid and stuff like that. Yeah, The Goo Goo Dolls were that kind of band up and around. I think they're from Buffalo, New York. Yep. And we're playing with a lot of these 80s punk bands and like early 90s punk bands and even like garage, I would assume grunge and garage rock bands of the late 80s, early 90s. And they, as their albums continue to come out, they moved away from this kind of just straight ahead, you know, punk rock kind of thing um, into this just, I describe it as adult contemporary I yeah, think <laughs> I think it's like it's like just edgy enough to not be quite adult contemporary, yeah. right? But like not so edgy as to be interesting. Yeah, <laughs> it's this exactly. like weird middle ground where it's like we're sort of aiming it at like boomers that still want to rock like in the seventies a little bit, right? But then yeah. also like this sort of the bland college kid that just needs something to listen to while he walks to class. Yeah. And the, and the one thing that is within a lot of these songs is, and I don't want to take away from it, is like a lot of these songs are really fucking catchy. Oh, like, yeah. They are designed, at the very least, designed to be radio hits, if not, say, absolutely nothing of value or of interest. <laughs> right. Well, I think what, what's interesting is is the, the things that they say are kind of interesting, but not in the ways that they think that they are. 
Yeah, and I mean, like, obviously, that's kind of that. what we're gonna get into as like, you know, what are these songs really saying, and what are they really doing, and why does this genre even exist? And not only why does it exist, but like, why did it become the big thing? Yeah, and and hopefully, in we're, this is the the first of twelve songs that we're gonna be going through, and four of those songs are gonna be Goo Goo Dolls songs. I think that it's going to be you if you go and listen to these songs and we've split them up by uh, Goo Goo Doll periods. Yes. The, the goo periods. <laughs> GGP, as we sometimes <laughs> yeah, call GGP, it. GGP. <laughs> the, the GGP. And which is nice because the 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 Goo Goo Dolls did a very good job of releasing an album every three to four years. Yep. And so you that sounded markedly different from their previous album and was basically just like trend hopping to the next thing in rock, exactly. right? And that's what's so interesting about it. I think is that like the early albums sounded like exactly what rock was doing at that time, and then mm-hmm. the later album sounded exactly like rock was doing at, at that time. So yeah. they just kept aping whatever was popular yeah well i i I do want to give the goo goo dolls some credit in that it seemed like in in their early career they were potentially a little ahead of the curve and then transitioned to chasing the curve yeah and maybe it's like you know they were kind of they weren't necessarily purposefully aping whatever was going on it's just that they were so riding that wave that yeah. Wherever that wave went, you can sort of point to a Goo Goo Dolls album that was like, see, that's exactly where rock music was at that point. Yeah. And so if this isn't your cup of tea, if this isn't your genre that you're really into, <laughs> you, we, we don't have to subject yourself to listening to a bunch of different albums. You can just listen to Goo Goo Dolls hits and you know what we're talking about. Yeah, it, exactly. Just, you can listen to it, four it, Goo Goo Dolls songs and you basically understand 90s music. Yes. Right. Like, yeah. That or at is... least '90s. This kind of like '90s rock music. Obviously, yeah, there's this... all all sorts of other stuff going on in the '90s. Yeah. Most of which is a lot more interesting than this stuff, to be uh, honest. Agreed. But this, but we think this would be more fun to talk about. Because yeah. This is our. This like, is our each, shit. Right. Is is to talk about the, shit that we yeah. hate. Yeah. And each one of the songs <laughs> that we each one of the songs that we chose throughout this this series were all songs that we had very visceral reactions to. Yes. It and... was and we didn't deep dive or anything. We were just like, let's pick 12 songs that we think capture the 90s and we'll do them roughly in order. And it was almost like, oh, well, we have to do this song. And then oh, well, we have to do this song. Yeah. And there was a there was a few uh maybe at a later point we'll, you know, include some dis- some of the points we made about those the discussion because there were some songs we chose not to to put in because we just had a slightly more visceral reaction to another song <laughs> than 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 mm-hmm. that one. So it'll I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, this will be an interesting project. This is a little experimentation with Does It Slap. So why don't we go ahead and uh, dive in? Dive in. You want to dive right in? Let's dive right in. So so I really really are. quick I want to kind of like like talk about what Goo Goo Dolls were doing at this time, because I think that, I think it's important that to me, this is what I think of as a three by three by three band, which Mm -hmm. to me means like it's three musicians. They use three chords and they write three minute songs. Yes. And that to me kind of just like, that's what they're doing. And that's their first three albums. (laughs) Interestingly enough, were just that right. Yeah. And it's not overtly political. It might be sort of blandly progressive or like faux progressive, but it's almost always concerned with like interpersonal relationships, but yeah. usually in this very toxic, egotistic way, yeah. right? 
and it's if, if, if it's, it's extremely male oriented. Yes. And if it's if it's political, it's vague enough that you can superimpose your own ideology onto whatever's being said. Right. Do you Gabe, do you ever listen to the podcast Michael and Us? No, I don't. Um it's it's great. It's these two Canadian dudes and they talk about like Michael Moore movies and then also just like <laughs> Other, oh, like, I shitty am, political am, documentaries and stuff. Yeah, I am familiar and, with this concept, so I think okay. I do know this podcast. So they have this thing where they talk about, like, a lot of these movies, they don't really have, like, a good point about politics, but their their basic thesis statement can be distilled into politics. What a concept. <laughs> and, that, like, that's kind of what, this, like, when these bands write, like, a political song, it's basically politics, what a concept. But then more importantly, I think... The main thrust of all of these songs is love. What a concept! Yeah, absolutely. I and I think that's I think that's what you're gonna get. Uh, what you're gonna get with this song is this is a the this first is, yeah. of many love songs that we're gonna talk about over and, the next. And few the episodes. Goo Goo Dolls basically made a whole career out of love. Yes. What a concept! Right? Yeah, it's kind absolutely. of amazing how they were able to do that in so many different ways. Yes, and because uh, they say almost nothing, they say, they say almost, almost nothing, nothing about love. <laughs> they say almost nothing about love, um, but they, they, they managed to make it into the the top rock charts. Yep, fairly consistently all throughout the '90s and early 2000s. So this song starts off with a sort of classically inoffensive beat right this sort of upbeat rhythm and then yep. just like driving bass line distorted guitars but the drummer is playing on the ride cymbal mm-hmm. right like no hi-hats just like i don't give a fuck i'm over here on this other cymbal for some reason <laughs> you can't stop me i'm just gonna do this <laughs> which is you know one of the one of the, my one of my issues with with a lot of rock bands like when they hang out on the ride cymbal is the hi-hat is left completely alone and when I was learning to play the drums, and I think probably the same case for you, and you are a much better drummer than I ever was, but, like, one of the things that I would always do when I would play on the ride cymbal, like, play the eighth notes on the ride cymbal or whatever, mm-hmm. is I would keep the 4-4 four, four going on the hi-hat. So it's like, okay, the hi-hat's still doing something. It's keeping the beat right. while I'm doing this other thing, like... They're, the hi-hat's there, you, you need to use it. And I think that comes out of, like, a lot of jazz musicians do that. Like, even when they're doing their drum solos, you have the hi-hat constantly going and keeping the, keeping right. the beat. And, and they that kinda, just disappears in rock and roll. Yeah, absolutely. They, they kind of, like, teach you when you're, like – because I studied some, like, jazz and Cuban and Latin drumming and stuff. And they kind of teach you, like, always have that hi-hat going with your foot because that's the thing – like, your feet are the thing that's kind of grounding it, right? So, like, your bass yeah. drum and your hi-hat – are you're just doing kind of the same you're keeping that beat so that your hands can kind of do whatever they need to do but yeah with rock it's like they just a lot of times they'll just forget about the hi-hat entirely yeah and so this is definitely a band that is like they don't they do not give a fuck this guy could probably (laughs) get away with just a bass drum a snare drum and a ride cymbal yeah like (laughs) most 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 rock bands in my in my experience have way too much shit in front of the drummer for what (laughs) they do it's like you could easily get away with a three-piece kit you could probably get away with just like a drum probably like a (laughs) snare drum a bass drum maybe a crash and a one single tom and you're fine like in in terms of how interesting the things are that you're going to do when given more stuff right you'll use it once every three songs or something like that like you don't need that stuff but 
exactly but hey whatever that's that that's there's neither here nor there yeah but this look is... um <laughs> you know the, the I mean, drum manufacturers need to make their money somehow exactly exactly but yeah so this kind of just straight ahead you know inoffensive rock um this this is still in the goo goo dolls slightly more aggressive era so it's still a little more distorted guitar yep. still a little bit more up tempo than where things are gonna go but let's let's dive into these lyrics all right so verse one give me a reason now that i can understand pick up the pieces now and put them in my hand <laughs> so here's the setup right he's basically saying like okay i'm gonna try to figure out the mystery that this that is this relationship right but but interestingly he's sort of putting it all on his partner he is demanding yes. that they give him the reason right like like the the very first thing is an imperative give me a reason that i can understand yeah not like i'm gonna try to figure out the reason exactly it's, give it to me and then and i'm it, picking up the pieces right or he's saying to you pick up the pieces and put them in my hand yeah like, well, he's, he's like, literally I, I just pick up holding his hands out and saying put the meaning of this relationship into my hands because i don't know it yes it, yeah he's like please make sense of whatever this shattered <laughs> moment of my life is right and and then he that, which then he goes on to try to justify i've been up and down for you my suffering extreme i fell on my face for you and a, a rhyming for you with for you is just solid <laughs> so, <laughs> but um no so it's like okay i've done all this stuff supposedly for you i've suffered so bad and it's like i fell on my face and it's like so you you owe me to put these pieces together and it's like no they don't like, right they don't owe you right. anything the the idea that the that the suffering of a relationship is in some way like implicates the other person right so that they right. have to you know this song is about me and my pain and my suffering and my examination of what it means but you're the one that has to do all the work yeah exactly and, that, and also like, it's 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 funny for a song called there you are because it's sort of hilariously ironic how not there the love interest is exactly this person is completely absent in fact he's like so now i know what it means and i self-destruct and so it's okay so, so apparently he had some sort of meaning and my my guess would be if i were to extrapolate based on these first few lines that this meaning is some sort of incredibly it's bla they're blaming the other person for everything that's happened and the, right. the self-destruct even though it's like you know you chose you have some agency here like you decided to do all whatever you thought was going to extremes for this person and it didn't work out and you're now blaming that person for everything even though right. you're like oh well i self-destruct it's like yeah well okay so potentially you you have some sort of self-destructive behaviors <laughs> that that maybe that's what that torpedoed this relationship well and it's really interesting because it's like the the you is not there right the you is this constructed other that he sees when he closes his eyes right so it's this really weird sort of masochistic ghost that this person is constructed specifically mm -hmm. to torture himself with and then like assigned that torture to the partner that he's just creating for himself. Yeah. So he's like I'm getting I'm I'm making up shit about you in my mind that isn't you. It's just the it's the you that I've constructed and then I'm going to make that that thing do all this terrible stuff to me and hurt me and and make me self-destruct and then I'm going to blame that construction that is really just a figment of my own imagination. Yes. But I'm going to say that that's you, right? Because I'm so bound up with the idea of being blameless in this scenario. Yes, exactly. And then and the 
the the one thing I will say is in in a side note about the music. So this is where at least they start to do something interesting. Like the music is changing as we're driving into the the pre-chorus and then yeah. the chorus. Because one of the things that I like about this song, particularly musically, they do like one of my favorite uh, things to do transitioning between different parts of a mm-hmm. of a song is if you have say you're ending on like the five chord or something like that and you got to get to the one or get to any other chord in in your chord progression right for the chorus is you do the the step down yes and i love the step down in the there you are yeah it's like so i close my eyes and there there you are there you are and there's the step down and the the step down comes right after this big build-up in the pre-chorus right like the anti self-destruct is like this kind of like driving building momentum and then it's yeah. like as you get to the top it's sort of it's like all right we've we've reached the top of this there you are and it's almost like the music is saying like there you are and that's like such a letdown to me because you're stepping yeah. down like okay here it is there you are yeah and it's, it's so i mean i think there's there is that kind of interesting there is interesting stuff that happens musically in this song that begins to i think fade away as we get deeper into this genre yeah. So, so we're still doing some interesting stuff musically, but then there you are. And to be fair, like this is like, there you are. Like this song was an, again, a song that gave us a visceral reaction. And yep. I was like, yeah, this song rocks. Like, I love this song. And yeah, I think like, musically this song is pretty fucking good, especially for this, you know, for what this genre is about to become. Like we're there. We're not going to get a lot of songs as good as this one, even though I think that, the, again, the lyrics are pretty problematic. But yeah, like I mean, in terms of music, it, it kind of rocks. Yeah. So we still have this like leftover 80s, early 90s kind of cool rock and roll that's happening and interesting stuff happening where the music is also framing the lyrics but mirroring some of the some of the emotions that are being felt in the lyrics Mm -hmm. then we get back so so the the chorus is there you are uh, repeated several times and it's it's catchy and you want to sing along to it it's and they build up to the chorus and give you know present it to you in in a way that like you have arrived at what the hook is so then as we get into the, the, the second verse, you can run out west, forget you know my name. You say you got your shit together, but you ain't got no faith. So I like that she runs out west, which could be a metaphor for going to Hollywood, right? But I think, <laughs> which which we see all the time, that's yeah, just see a classic time, thing that yeah, happens. Yeah. But I think that going out west also has this idea in the sort of American ideology that's bound up with you know the old wild west mm-hmm. you go west it's the you're the self-made person you live in total freedom and reckless abandon but of course anyone that's like ever watched any western knows that it's also this like terrible lawless place yeah. that people are attracted to because the ultimate freedom means freedom from social norms and laws and things like this yeah and, and it's and also it's a place for people dangerous yeah and it's a place for people who don't have any other options Exactly. Right, like at the at the end of Huckleberry Finn, they tell him, go west, young man. Like, that's the sort of famous thing is like, well, you got to go west. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you are a person that cannot exist in our society. And I think that he's kind of like, there's something going on with the metaphor of she can't exist in this relationship. And so the going west is this, like, freedom from the the social confines of this man whose entire worldview is bound up with or, like, he thinks of himself as his whole society. Yes. Which is also, like, the most Gen X shit ever, right? <laughs> it's, like, that you think that your world is your 
interpersonal relationships. Like well, your little sphere is everything. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that I find, um, you know, having lived on the East Coast in in what I consider to me a small city, more often than not, when I talk to people around here, they're like, "Oh, Raleigh's huge." I'm like, "There's four hundred thousand people here. That is not a big city by any right. stretch of the imagination." Mm-hmm. But you get a lot of this very. There's a certain like rigid social structure built into like the in into Raleigh and into where things are and people like I think people view a lot of these like small east coast cities as like yeah this is a great place great place to be and or but you also get this feeling of being trapped in in that city because it's it's small enough that it's it's not that you get to know everybody that if you run in the same social circles you quickly know everybody that you're going to know within a mm-hmm. couple of years a lot of people that i speak to like i need i want to go out west i want to move to california or you know wherever wherever yeah and and particularly at this point in the what would be the late 80s early 90s you would have a lot of the grunge thing that's happening so let's yep. assume that this person is in the music scene in buffalo and they're like, oh, well, I see all this cool stuff happening in Seattle and Portland. Right. Let me just I'm going to go there. And, you know, you say you got your shit together and it's like, OK, like this. He's now he's now moved into this like he's still being like very accusatory in this. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, st- I mean, this is to me, this is kind of gaslighting 101 a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like you ain't got no faith. Well, it's not that she doesn't have faith. It's that she probably doesn't have faith in you and yeah. your relationship. But he is taking that to mean, like, you don't have faith at all. Like, you lack the idea of commitment. When ra- really probably what's going on is she just lacks the idea of committing to him. Yeah, it's like, uh, you, you like have faith, young Padawan type of situation <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> Actually, I don't think that's the quote. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. But then, then we get a method in madness. Now there's madness in my soul. So, I mean, clearly, you know, never stare into the madness because sometimes it stares back. Kind <laughs> it's of madness situation. in the soul, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, but notice he's, he's, run, he's, not, he's still avoiding it, right? He's running from the madness. But, yeah. bro, can't run from your problems. Ain't no place that far. Yeah, it's like there's, you know, you can, uh, as uh, I was once told, it's like you can, you can run all the way to Alaska to get away from your problems. But the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to be cold. Mm-hmm. Like. So yeah, so he's like, I'm running, I run from the darkness now, which is kind of funny because he's, this is 100% gaslighting. It's like, you can run out west and <laughs> right. forget you know me, and I'm, now I'm running from the but darkness. Yeah. Your like, running is a lack running. of faith, and my running is, I ain't got no place to go, poor me, right? Isn't that yeah. what a really interesting thing is? That your running is a moral failing on your part, and my running is a desperate uh, attempt to exit my circumstances. Exactly. And then again, we get the the pre-chorus of the and I self-destruct. I close yep. my eyes, and there and you there are. you are. So he's like still just absolutely. This whole song is just being hung up on somebody and constantly yep. hung up. But then in such a way that is not coping with or dealing with the situation in any healthy way. It's just no. I'm going to blame this person. I'm going to attempt to make this person feel bad for their choices. And take no responsibility for my own choices, despite the fact that he's very clearly putting out there. He's like, I self-destruct. So it's like, <laughs> right. You, you self-destruct. You do things that make you explode. And 
it, by not taking any ownership of that, you are thus, I assume, that he's putting it on this person. It's like, I'm going to self-destruct because you're leaving or because you're gone. Yeah, right. The the Rather than taking sort of accountability and autonomy for, for what happens in the relationship, you're just like, nope, you're the reason that I am miserable. And that this is actually a theme of shit rock is is my partner or my ex-partner is the reason that i am the way that i am yeah in any bad way anything that's good is just sort of because i'm so great but anything that's bad is because i was hurt and you should feel sorry for me yeah and this is and i think the the shit rock genre the one thing (laughs) that we can say is so you know you have this like super toxic notion of like the manic pixie dream girl right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this is the male mirror image of that of this like this manic sad boy mm-hmm. kind of situation the sad boy artist right like the tortured yeah. artist shit that Which- is very played out yeah and yeah you're right it's the mirror image of the manic pixie dream girl but with the manic pixie dream girl the the trope is she comes in with her carefree lifestyle and fixes the protagonist's problems right whereas it's the you know the the tortured sad guy is i come in and ask you to fix my problems and then get mad at you when you don't <laughs> when you fail to do so when <laughs> yeah. you fail to fix these internal issues and horrible coping mechanisms that i have <laughs> i have developed over years of it's not like... dealing with my social anxieties <laughs> or whatever yeah yeah it's like he well basically he's it's he's in each one of these songs he's seeking out an unpaid therapist that's yes that's, what that's exactly it is it is girlfriend as therapist is like basically yeah. the genre of music that this is for sure yes and then getting mad at the, at the person when they don't provide the therapy that you want them to <laughs> Which is, like, not at all what they signed up for. Right, exactly. It's like they have no, there's no responsibility in a relationship to do that. And, in fact, it's an insanely unhealthy thing to make someone in a relationship do. But it's something that happens all the time. And it's still a very sort of very common trope. But it was huge in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely huge in the 90s. This is something that just almost defines music and television and movies and just, like, mass culture in the 90s is this idea of, like, men who look to women to to solve their problems yeah. and then women are just seen as this as this sort of problem solving force with no agency of their own it's right. really interesting how how common that is and what's and that no one really i mean there were people calling it out obviously but it was never being called out in the dominant discourse yeah no and well and the thing is and then it it it, it permeated into the the discourse into such a way that like so in, in a few years from when this song is released, Kurt Cobain kills himself, and mm-hmm. everybody blames Courtney they, Love. They blame Courtney Love, yeah, It's exactly. like not, not it's... that Kurt Cobain had any agency or ability to look after his own problems. I mean, depression is a horrible thing, and, and lots and, – but in, in the end, it's like you can't expect this person's friends to have fixed them because maybe they right. had their own toxic – self-destructive behaviors that didn't allow people to fix them or like get close enough for them to get the help they needed and exactly. but even then that still like make puts so much of so much of the burden on the people that surround them 
and you know it's a, it's a there's a shared thing that happens there there's a reason why people who have depression don't seek out help and there are societal pressures and social pressures but then there's also this it's hard to to offer help to somebody that's in this position that they don't maybe don't know they need it or in, if if it's exemplar by any of these songs it's like you are no offense kind of a shitty person <laughs> consistently like you're always blaming like other people for your feeling bad in a way that's like well this is nothing that ever like i didn't have any role in this it is this mm-hmm. this in this song particularly it's like well, he doesn't have any role in why he's got madness in his soul and he's running away from the darkness it's because this person is leaving him right and it's like, yeah, it's it's, like the yeah. most ex- the, the most insane version of toxic well if you leave me i'm going to kill myself and it's like mm-hmm. you can't hold somebody emotionally hostage like that <laughs> like that is absolutely yeah. terrible yep and i like the end of this song where he just sort of invokes the other person of there you are there you are like he says it a million times at yeah the end, right and the irony of course is that they're not there they're they're gone they're yeah. they're the thing that is the you is this weird created construction and this dude is just gonna live with the lie that the people are still there in some sense torturing him exactly so darren yeah there you are. That was a weird way to, to respond to that. I apologize. <laughs> um, there you are by the Goo Goo Dolls. Does it slap? You know, uh, to me, this song is like very borderline. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, uh, but I think it does. I think that the yeah. music does enough. And I think that it's because of the there you are. It's like, it's almost self-aware enough about what it's talking about, where it's like, I am... I am very clearly toxic, and this is a song about the cycle of that toxic yeah. nature of myself. So you know what? Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hat in with yes, this song slaps, and especially because I know that we're gonna be doing eleven more songs, most of which <laughs> will not slap. So we have to sort of you know you gotta give them. I'm grading it on a curve, but I think it slaps. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and here here's my thing about this song is that I think. For the time period and for the time in which it is written, there is still a lot of interesting stuff going on musically. And I think it, you can give it a charitable reading, and which we have discussed in a number of times. If you can give it a charitable reading, that's the reading you should give it. Right. Is this idea of you go through the verses of blaming this person and but then you have the chorus, which is this in this kind of internal struggle that's happening and that he's like, well, despite all of this horrible stuff that I've done and this assumingly terrible things that I've said, it's like he closes his eyes. This person still had enough agency or wherewithal to leave him. And he's hung up on this person that the yeah. chorus is like, there you are. He's like, close my eyes and there you are. And so, yeah, I would also agree that that of our first foray into the songs that made shit rock there you are by the goo goo dolls slaps on the next episode of this series we're tackling hey jealousy by the gin blossoms you can find Does It Slap on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, shit, just about everywhere. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends and give us a five-star rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. 
The reviews will help other people find the podcast. In your review, feel free to tell us what song you want us to give the slap treatment. Who knows? We might just add your favorite song to the slap canon. Follow us on Twitter at Does It Slap Pod. Our theme music is provided by the patron saints of slap, New Junk City. Find a link to their band camp down in the episode description. Our cover art is done by Jeremy Hammond. Find him on Twitter at Jeremy Thunder. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Boom, and we're out.